Let me welcome you back to your seats. Thank you for loving, and thank you for hugging, and thank you for being happy. Thank you for being great at making friends. We value Jesus, we value prayer, and we do value connection. We value that for sure. On a food Sunday, it's even worse. So for those that are uh, joining us, we are working our way through the New Testament. We are walking through Matthew, and the way it's set up is someone will deliver a message covering something, if not maybe an overview of the five chapters that you'll be reading for the upcoming week. So this week, we're looking at Matthew 26, 27, 28. We're finishing, we're finishing Matthew. Now, it's not lost on me that I know for some of us, reading through that these last four weeks, this will be the first time you have read through an entire book in the Bible. And for that, well done. Well done. And you continue. And we're going to read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Many similar stories. But let's remember there are different angles, different angles to these similar stories. Matthew sees Jesus as Messiah King, which we're going to talk heavily about today. Mark sees him as a Messiah servant. Luke as Messiah man. And then John sees him as the Son of God. And when we look at all those different angles, and we gather that together, and we get this picture of who Jesus is, then the gospel has a good news for so many different groups. And I hope we can glean, glean some of that today. In your reading for this week, you'll read the last three chapters, 26, 27, 28. Our podcast on Wednesday will be covering chapter 28, so the last chapter of Matthew, uh, which is a, some pretty famous passages in there, the Great Commission, things like that are in Matthew 28. And then we'll begin Mark 1 and 2. So this will be one of those weeks where we carry over between both books. I said it earlier, if you uh, haven't been keeping up or you've gotten behind a little bit or something like that, please join us tomorrow with chapter 26. Start right in. We want you to be able to do that um, for, for sure. So as we, as we close this out, 26, 27, 28, what I'm going to do is today, as I was reading, what came to me most throughout this week is Matthew 27. So I'm going to really dial in on a couple of things in Matthew chapter 27. I encourage you to grab your Bibles. We're going to do a lot. I hit Bo with a lot of verses this morning. He is a good guy and put those all in for me and didn't say all the things he was thinking when I handed him those. So uh, thank you for that, buddy. Please have your Bible, have your phone, whatever. We want to be working through some of these scriptures, put our hands on them and, and see them. That being said, Matthew 27, that being said, I'm going to read out of Isaiah. I'm going to read a prophecy from Isaiah chapter 45. So that would almost be a text for us today. Isaiah 45 verse... 20. They should have that on the screens for us. This is the Lord speaking through the prophet. Gather together and come assemble, you fugitives from the nations. Ignorant 
are those who carry about idols of wood, uh, wood, who pray to gods that cannot save. Put that back up there again, both. 20. Gather together and come, assemble, you fugitives from the nations. Ignorant are those who carry about idols of wood, who pray to gods that cannot save. Declare what is to be, present it. Let them take counsel together, who foretold this long ago, who declared it from the distant past. Was it not I, the Lord? Declared from the distant past. And he says, who did that? Was it not I? The Lord. Can I pause right here? I guess I can because I've got the microphone. So I can pause right here. The Lord says it. It's coming to pass, he says, because I said it. Distant past? Sure. Bottom line is, I said it. It was I, the Lord. Let's move on. And there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none but me. Verse 22. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. I long for that. That's a prayer for me. At the ends of the earth, turn to see him. For I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn. My mouth has uttered in all integrity. When the Lord speaks it, there is no duplicity in it. His mouth has integrity. A word that will not be revoked. I hope that is powerful for us today. When the Lord speaks a word, it will not return void. It will not be revoked. And here's what he says. Before me every knee will bow, and by me every tongue will swear. Verse 24. They will say of me, in the Lord alone are righteousness and strength. All who have raged against him will come to him and be put to shame. But in the Lord, all the descendants of Israel will be found righteous and will exult. Looking at Matthew chapter 27, we can flip over there together. Matthew 27, it is packed. So already this morning I referenced Matthew 26, 26, and 7 when we we talked through communion. But in Matthew 27... You've got Judas, who feels great remorse, goes back to the religious leaders, throws the money on the ground, walks out, and hangs himself. There's the trial of Jesus before Pilate, the flogging, the crucifixion. Jesus' death is in there. Jesus' burial is in there. They post a guard at the grave. Like, all of that is happening in chapter 27. A lot is going on there. I want to pick up in chapter 27. I want to read at verse 27. This was a fun day for me. I'm a numbers guy, so communion was Matthew 26, 26, and now we're reading Matthew 27, 27. So those, that means God is in it as far as I'm concerned. That, that's a big deal. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium. They gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. Uh, If you, I might make a book recommendation. Bill O'Reilly and some others wrote a book called Killing Jesus. I didn't learn much about Jesus when I read it, but I learned a lot about what happened right here. The killing squads. 
and the crucifixion and the things that would happen. That uh, was pretty intense and illuminating, actually. So they brought him together, the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him. They put a scarlet robe on him. And then they twisted together a crown of thorns and they set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him. They took the staff and they struck him on the head again and again. They mocked him. They took off the robe, put on his clothes. They led him away to crucify him. When I read that this week, something struck me that hadn't struck me before, I don't think, I don't recall. These guys, I have a hickory, I have a hickory staff. It's a staff that's made out of hickory. It's in my office. It's solid. It's what I thought of. I got it because I participated in a mentoring group, and one of the guys had them all made for us, and it's got Hebrew written on the side, and Yonatan, and it's, it was called the Jonathan Project, and I, I cherished it. You get hit in the head with that, you're going to know it. And I thought about that hickory stick. It says they took the staff and they struck him on the head again and again. I can envision that. We all got the crown of thorns. We get that thing. We all see that. Even the flogging. They spit on him. I knew that. But there was something about hitting the person and then hitting them again and again. That's what these guys did. It was called a killing squad. They were ruthless, heartless. And I thought, what a place for Jesus to be. What a hopeless, broken place. But I want to point out, verse 29, something that you may have recognized. That those men who spit, those men who struck him repeatedly, those men who wove the thorns together and placed them on, probably jammed them down into his head. Every one of those men did this. Hail, King of the Jews. Every one of them. They were mocking, but it didn't matter because God said it would happen. They meant it as a shaming. But even in the moment of Jesus being beaten and broken, these burly men, dirty, hardened, with blood on their knuckles, the blood of the Messiah on their hands, literally. They circled around him, and they knelt before him, as the scripture says, and every knee there bowed. And they all confessed together, Hail, King of the Jews. If someone happened to be walking by 
a steward, a messenger, a servant, walking by and looked over, what they would see is Jesus standing broken and a crowd of men around him on bended knee proclaiming King of the Jews. That did something for me this week. That captured something in my heart that hadn't been felt before. I read on, verse 32. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon. They forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha. It means the place of the skull. They offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus. What does it say? The king of the Jews. If again I'm walking by, and I ran that errand past the praetorium, and I see these burly, bloodied guards kneeling and saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And then I go a little bit further and do something else. And in my travels, I have to walk past the place of the skull. And I remember what was happening. That man's being beaten, but they're calling him the King of the Jews. And I walk across a ledge and over and around a corner and I look up and I see, is that the same guy? Must be, because the sign above his head says the same thing. King of the Jews. Now, I understand that many of us in here are arguing with me right now. But that doesn't count because they didn't mean it. Sure it counts because they said it. He said it would be said, and it was said. In the darkest place, in the toughest spot, the proclamation of who he is came through. Application for us, what do you think? When life hits you again and again, hitting the head again, and again, and when it's an enemy that has no concern or care for you, then my question would be this, but what does the Lord say? What's the word of the Lord? What has the Lord spoken? Because we read that in Isaiah, this prophecy from centuries before. God says, my word will not be revoked. Who said it? Oh, it is, it is I that said it. I want us to feel the foundation of the Word of God. We're working through the New Testament, but I want us to feel the foundation of these things that the Lord speaks to us, that are spoken to His church, that are spoken to us individually. And when the Lord says it, we stand on it. If you come and tell me, Andy, the Lord has spoken to me, I have a standard reply for you. Whoo, I'm glad I'm not you. That's my standard reply. A little bit tongue-in-cheek. A little bit truth-in-jest. Both truth and jest. Glad I'm not you. 
Because what I have found when the Lord speaks to us, anybody know why he does that? Because we're going to need it. He speaks to us because we're going to need it. We're going to need it. I have often said, no one needs a leader if they want to go. The only time you need a leader is when people don't want to go. (laughs) That's the only time a leader is necessary, taking people where they don't think they want to go. The word of God is necessary for us, not in the moments where we all run to the altar and be happy, but in the moments when it's hard and we don't want to go. That word rings true. But I've said. But that's the promise I've given you. And you know what I know in a group like this? There are dozens of people that have either received a promise from God. I mean, you have received one. If I asked you, you would swear on a stack of Bibles, right? Whatever that is. that you, you Like you're serious about it. God's spoken to you. You feel it. You believe it. It was for you from God. So either that's people in this room or people in this room are one of those promises. There's been a promise about us and what God is going to do. The written charge, Jesus, King of the Jews. He was hit in the head. He was stripped. He had the thorns. Incredibly shameful moment, which causes me to think about Philippians chapter 2. Would you flip over there with me? Philippians chapter 2, possibly, if uh, you've read through the New Testament, been around a while, Philippians 2 might have come to your mind. Verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, this says in your relationships, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Let's read on. Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. Here we go, Matthew 27. He humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Philippians chapter 2 reflects back to Matthew 27. And it says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, verse 10. Can we read it together, verse 10? That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, verse 11, and every tongue acknowledge Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Of God the Father. Hail, King of the Jews. They said it. Paul reflects in Philippians 2 the promise from Isaiah that every knee bows, every tongue confesses. He was still getting hit. The blood was real, the bruises were real, the death was real. So was the promise. And they weren't just calling him the king. He was the king. He is the king. 
Many of us might be familiar with Philippians 2, but I want us to flip over to Romans chapter 4. Tucked away in Romans chapter 4, it's the chapter about justification through faith. And if you look at verse 11, I'm sorry, 14. Sorry, 14. How does it begin? 14.11. What does it say? It is written. Paul's referencing, it is written. As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. Throw that beginning part back up there, Bo, please. It is written. Maybe I title that the message. That's the title of the message today. It is written. What's written? It is written, Messiah King. It is written. He's Messiah King. Matthew opened up with Jesus tempted by Satan. And in that whole interplay, we know several times, even Satan says, It is written. And Jesus would counter attacks from Satan by saying, it is written, and he said it again. It is written. He said it a third time. It is written. And at the closing, the closing moment, again, it is, it is written. Every knee bows. Every tongue confesses. Jesus is king. He is our Messiah king. Why does that matter? Why am I preaching this? I don't know. For me, what struck me is even in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the things that I see that don't make sense, in the midst of moments that seem counter to what God would do. This, am I the only one in here that looks around and says, in my own life and the life of others when I'm invited in and go, this can't be God? Bam, hit in the face. That's the, ah, hit in the face. Crown of thorns, that, crucify. That can't be God. The question is, what is written? And what is written is not just the knee and the confession, but what are they saying? He is king. Jesus is king. Jesus. Isaiah 45, 23. Throw that up there, buddy. This is what we read to open today. By myself, I have sworn, my mouth has uttered it. God's integrity. A word that won't be revoked. He said, before me, every knee will bow. And by me, Every tongue will swear. Let me just pause a moment and just say, there's some challenges in that for me personally. When I think about how did I get here to this place to be able to have an understanding of God and the favor of God and the recognition of who he is. 
It's such a human nature thing to feel this, to be so presumptuous, to act like we know. And we know this and we know that. We've got that figured out. It doesn't get better with time. You think it might because we'd learn from our predecessors, but it doesn't seem to get any better. We feel like we're smarter and smarter. And we feel like in some ways, like, like, I don't know, the lucky gene pool or something. Like, how did I get here? Was I just born into this? Just a lucky draw? And how is it that I am able to be exposed to this blessed truth? You see, this isn't a cool club that we talk about supernatural things. This is actually built on the idea that there is a God manifest in a human being named Jesus, and that changes everything. Let me just be frank, except it doesn't, unless we believe it. It doesn't change anything for us, unless we step into that space. How does that change my life? When I stop looking at circumstances, and I begin to say, yeah, but you're the king. You're the one in control. You're the one able to do all things. In fact, you do all things well. Boom. You do all things well, punch this way. He lives this example for us. It's, sometimes it's hard. What I'm hoping for is I don't think I can take away the punches. I don't think I can stop those. I'm going to need some help. Uh, later on in this summer, we're going to start a support group. And uh, I'm going to be the one in it, and I'm going to be asking other people to come help me. Because my daughter's going to college. So I'm going to be the single member of the support group. And everyone else that's had kids move away, please come and help me. You can take turns, sign up. I'll be the one sitting in the chair, and everyone can help me. I'd like to think that I can control and keep her from being hurt, but I can't. I start her car for her in the morning, let her windshield get all cleaned up. I shovel the drive. I do what I can. can't control any of that. You know what's required? Trust. In a father that loves her more than I love her. In a father that loves us more. In this God that is able and sometimes doesn't keep us from fender benders and getting rear-ended and hitting the ditch. The message is as Jesus stands there, broken and bleeding, hurting. At one point, as you read, you will read, he himself says, I am feeling pretty forsaken right now. The word of the Lord is that he is king. He's the king of Israel. He trusts in God. I want to look at these, just a couple quick verses. Chapter 27, again, verse 42 and 43. 
He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. And then look what they say. He's the king of Israel. I just think that's amazing. That's it. It just struck me, and it struck me, and it struck me again. They're mocking, 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 and then they're like, he's the king. Which that statement matters. Mocking, 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 slapping, kicking, spitting. He's the king, they say. That statement's true. He's the king of Israel. Let's read on. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. Isn't this wonderful? Another statement of truth. He trusts in God. Can I get an amen? Not for Jesus trusting in God. But for us. Amen. We trust in God. What an interesting passage. Mocking, slandering, scathing, scorn. He's the king of Israel. More heaped up. You save yourself. You can't do anything like that. He trusts in God. These little things that just, these little things that just pop up. They're truth. It's not as we see it. It's not as we wish it. But you know what? It is written. So it's done nonetheless. None the less. All right, come on up. I'm going to close. I want to read out of John. We're going to jump forward into the Gospels. So I'm going to close today with a reading out of John 19. Again, total God moment, John 19, 19. What can I say? <laughs> like 19, 19, 26, 26, 27, 27. We know God is in this one. John 19, 19. This is the crucifixion. Pilate had a notice prepared and he fastened it to the cross. And here's what it read. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. That's a little more information. You can hold that there, Bo. That's a little more information than we had before, right? We heard that the soldiers put together a sign and threw it up and it said, Jesus, King of the Jews. This is a little bit more information. It says Pilate had the notice prepared. Pilate prepared it. He said, put that above his head. Jesus, king of the Jews. And once again, I'm thinking, if you're just a bystander, you're just having to look over and go, man, that poor guy. And then you read, king of the Jews. There's more. Many of the Jews read this sign. Many of the Jews. For the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. The sign was written in Aramaic and in Latin and in Greek. You know what's important about that? Everybody got to read it. Aramaic and Latin and Greek. Everybody got to read it. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate. They said, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. And Pilate answers, Called Scripsy, Scripsy. He looked at them and he said, called Scripsy, Scripsy. That's Latin. For what I have written, I have written. True for Pilate. 
Isaiah 45, true for Jehovah. You see, Jehovah looks at these moments in our life. And if he were to speak in Latin, he would say, quote, scripsy, scripsy. No, 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 no. Don't put down the statement that he's the king of the Jews. We don't want people, bystanders, with no background, walking by and seeing what is truth. We don't want that. We want it to say, he said he's the king of the Jews. He's like, you know, fellas, that's not what I wrote. That's not what I wrote. And what I have written, quote, scripsy, I have written scripsy. Aren't you grateful that that is true of our God? And he says, in all the chaos and in all the naysayers and the doubting, even if it's our own doubting, and that's what I hope this message can help us rise above in some way. If it's written, it's written. (laughs) If I said it, I said it. Doesn't matter what, how I feel. Doesn't matter. Let's do a little duet. What I see. You know the rest? My hope will always be your promises. Because when it's written, it's written. And what he says, it says. Maybe this message will help us rise above that. It doesn't matter how I feel, what I see, my hope. Boom, boom, boom. Hit and hit and hit again. My hope is the underlying foundation of, quote, scripsy, scripsy. What I have written. <laughs> I have written, and it carries the day, and we can anchor into it, regardless. Messiah King, Messiah King, let's sing real. As Arnick leads us, I pray that you would sing these words and they would anchor you afresh. That's one of the best parts about church on Sunday. Anchored afresh, recalibrated. Reading the word of God every day, just being in it, recalibrated. Putting your feet on the floor and having the disciplines every day of saying, I surrender to you today, show me your ways. Come on. And what is that word for you? I'm going to ask you to stand with me and we pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your life given. I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would anchor us in your words. The words from time eternal. The words from the Hebrew scripture. The promises, the prophecies. That when you've written it, it's written. And somehow in this room today even rekindle a hope in us. A hope about hearing your word. 
And this prayer of you being at the center. That we ourselves bow a knee. That we ourselves confess you are king. Messiah king. Messiah king. Messiah king. Messiah king. All power in heaven and earth is given to you. We celebrate it. We say it. We speak it. We confess it. Let that transfer. Nothing else matters. Sing it out. Nothing else matters. Will do. 